Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Arganissima. Well, well, well. Hello and welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio. Again, as promised, a new show, a new guest, a new day. And tonight, it is special because I am taking us again on a time travel. <laughs> We're doing a, 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 a back to the future kind of concept or maybe just traveling into the future. But, but really, uh, it's funny. I always try to say this, but because our guest is actually from the land down under on the other side of the, the globe. And it is morning there. And uh, literally, it's I think nine-ish in the morning. So, so that is always impressive how this world you know, operates and how technology can bring about people. And that's always fun stuff. So I just wanted to start with that now our guest tonight is uh, a psychiatrist and uh, you know you might ask well i've had a few psychiatrists on on different shows yes because there's not enough discussion about mental state and mental health and there's so many things that we go through on a day-to-day -day basis and sometimes it is important to just have different opinions and different angles we've had psychiatrists from canada we had from the u.s now we have from australia so <laughs> we get different angles and different you know studies and and potential you know uh inspiration, different ways of dealing with things and coping with things. And today's topic is really interesting because it's mental fitness, hope, uh, love and hope, uh, the elixir for a better self, which basically it's, we got to get the formula, how to be good <laughs> and, 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 and just, just live a happy life, hopefully. So, so without any further ado, let me just introduce our guest. I always do this and people are like, well, who's the guest? Who's the guest? Well, little suspense <laughs> always works. So, Today, I have with me Dr. Christian Hyam. Dr. Hyam, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Hurricane. And yes, I have to tell you that Thursday is looking pretty good. It's a lovely day. It's a great morning. We have a good future to look forward to. Well, well, listen, it's always good. Like, you know, uh, this is like almost a uh, projection into the future. So <laughs> thank you for letting us know how the future looks. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's all right, because our brains are actually designed to prepare us for the future. I know I'm sort of starting already, but yeah. um, it, we, we do have a future focus. And just like the world keeps turning around in one direction, so we keep moving one direction into the future. And Hurricane, we want it to be a better future. So we may as well talk about those sort of things. Uh, listen, and you're right. Um, we have to believe that there's a better future ahead of us. Uh, yeah. That's the only way to keep up with, with all the world events and everything we've been enduring the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, if, if we see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, as, 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 as the expression states, you know, it's always a good thing. You know, the last thing we want is people thinking it's the end or it's bad or the world is really not a dim place. So, so certainly... Yeah. It's good. It's a good hope. Again, part of the title today is hope. So we're going to build that hope today. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. And light at the end of the tunnel is a very good metaphor because uh, life does throw us a lot of tunnel experiences and we've got to get through it. We've got to get through it because the light at the end of the tunnel is worth it. Hey, listen, we all look forward to that. And I think even if someone has a tough time, you know, uh, a talk like this can turn them around and can, can show them that, hey, it's not for just a few, it's for everyone, but, but we have to choose it. Yeah, yeah, and, and on that, I just want to say thank you for your radio program because you have no idea what a difference you make to people. I get to hear it in my office. I get to hear people say to me, and I heard this radio program or I, I listened to this and it turned my life around. So uh, I, I get to hear it, which is really nice, but there are people that you could actually be saving lives because you give hope and you give some ways for people to move forward and they make little changes in their life that have a big difference. So thank you for all the work that you do. 
Listen, I, I'm only exchanging and sharing the, the information and, and the beautiful, you know, good stuff that you guys out there are giving out there. And, and you are the heroes because you're really frontline to help people. So so we're just the messengers. <laughs> we're trying to broadcast your information to the public. And that's really, and, and you're right. I mean, the hope is that it will touch lives in a better yeah. way. And hopefully, it, listen, save lives, turn lives around. That's really what it is. It's all about, you know, keeping positive and turning things to, for the better. Uh, yeah. So so that being said, so Dr. Hayam, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've done quite a bit and, you know, you've, you're all over the place, all over the world. And I've, I've seen some of your stuff and heard some of your stuff. So tell our audiences about you a little bit and then we can do dive into the, the topic of the day. Okay, okay, Hurricane. I'm really quite an ordinary guy, okay? Sort of like, I, I grew up in a middle-class, lower middle-class neighborhood. Um, I, I loved music, so I got into music for a while, but my first passion was always medicine and helping people. And uh, I, I wanted to help people through music, but I was able to combine that with medicine. And uh, when I did uh, medicine, I actually thought that I'd become just a general physician, right? Mm -hmm. But I found that when I got into mental health and I saw people who were, well, they were suffering, okay? It's, uh, it's really difficult to see what people go through emotionally. And there's something about psychiatry because it deals with the mind rather than the body. You know, science hasn't got a total grip on what happens in the mind. We don't even have a, a definition that we all agree on about the mind. So I was intrigued, I was interested. What sort of a difference could I make? And I love talking with people. I love getting to know people. It's, it's a privilege to get to journey with people in their lives. And so when I started doing that, I actually thought this is for me. This is where I belong. And so since that time, I have been in some sort of a situation where I sit down with people and talk. Sure, I use medicine. Sure, I put people in hospital because that's what they need. But uh, the latest thing that I do is um, psychotherapy with people who've had personal trauma, okay? And, oh, my God, Hurricane, that's an eye-opener. There is so much trauma out there, but there's also so much that we can do. And so you make a connection based on trust, and you put a plan for a person to go forward. And I like that brain-mind connection. I now know what trust does in the brain and it changes the brain. And it means that people can go forward with a physical difference in their brain that shows in the whole of their lives. That's kind of in a nutshell of well, that, uh, there's what a I lot do. Of stuff. And, and by the way, Dr. Haim, I, 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 the last guest I had in terms of psych, mental health were psychiatrists, psychologists. Yeah. So, so, so I think you bring in a whole different angle here because you're on the medicine side of it or the med the medicinal side of it. Yes. Yeah. So that, and it, that's a different angle. It, it is a different angle. Um, uh, now, there's a lot of overlap between psychiatrists and psychologists because, quite frankly, Hurricane, there's a lot of mental health work out there. There's a lot of problems that we need to be solved. But basically, doctors start off with the body. Okay. So I start off with the body and the brain. And that moves to the mind, okay? So, uh, yes, I use medications. Yes, I'll put people in hospital because when people's lives are threatened, you have to protect that life. And so I've done a lot of that. But then you create this space, okay, this is not just a body. This is a person. This is a person who lives with a family, who loves people, who has had uh, good experiences, bad experiences, how does that line up? And so I'm interested in that whole interface there. Uh, psychologists, they, they come from a humanitarian background and they basically look at the normal mind and how the normal mind works. But there's a lot of overlap because all of us go through bouts of depression, anxiety. When it gets to suicidality, uh, and uh, unreal experiences like psychosis and schizophrenia, that tends to be more the area for psychiatrists. And so that's the area that I spent a lot more time in. And people who experience trauma are often suicidal, which means that their whole body is at risk. Uh, we could lose them and we don't want to be losing people. So we're looking at that, what we can do to treat that. But I suppose I've moved into the area of how we can prevent people getting to that 
uh, awful stage of being suicidal in the first place. Well, we, we will definitely touch more on that. But but so so we're talking about the mental state and, and really mental fitness is part of the components of today's discussion. Yes. So, so let, let's let's dive deep on that one. Like, what is the definition of mental fitness? And, and what are the some of the I guess the bad things that can happen to to mental state and and, and the good things and, and and guess we'll take you know you'll take us through the the routine what can work out there and, and conditions that that do impact or trigger things into humans. Yeah, yeah, okay. So so the word mental fitness is kind of one of those buzzwords of today, and it's uh, it's it's a good term because it it gives gives you the feeling of somebody who is an athlete who's fit enough to get through their marathon or a, uh, a business person who's fit enough to get what they need done during the day, okay? Yeah. So both of those have to do with the body and our productivity, but they're really the end points, whereas mental fitness has to do with what goes on in our heads all the time. And what goes on in our heads is actually thoughts and feelings and desires, okay? And we don't talk about those quite as much because we have so many thoughts that we can't share them with somebody else, okay? So often with thoughts, uh, people's thoughts can drive them to despair, all right? And people have a lot of thoughts that they think, oh, I shouldn't be having this thought. Or they have recurring thoughts and go, you know what? What am I supposed to do with this? How am I supposed to get rid of this thought? Or feelings. There are a lot of people that don't have enough words for feelings to sort of say, I am feeling frustrated at the moment, or I'm feeling resentful rather than angry, or I am annoyed rather than frustrated. They all mean different things. And if we have those words, then we're able to uh, articulate what's going on and get some control over what's going on. And that to me is mental fitness. So my definition of mental fitness is basically having good thoughts and feelings to prevent mental illness, right? So we're talking about preventative mental health. And, and I guess that is, that's where people can be saved because if you can get them and, you know, early on and, and, and help them and prevent anything that can be negative, I guess then the conditions will be removed and people will be feeling better, right? Well, that's, that's, that's exactly right, except that um, thoughts and feelings are so ephemeral and we have them all the time and they can change from day to day that for each of us, it's a lifelong um, struggle, in a sense, to get to know ourselves through our thoughts and our feelings, okay? But, Hurricane, look, we live in a really strange world and I'm not just talking about the last year and a half, all right? I'm talking about the last four decades when... Suicide rates have risen by over 33%. You, you would have heard all of this in the USA, and that was pre-COVID. And you've got to think, why? Or depression rates have been uh, increasing by 63%. This is in 12 to 18-year-olds in a three-year period. So the question is, why? Or self-harm has increased by 28% in a 10-year period. Why? And we're going through an opiate crisis. Why? Okay, now here's the thing, it's not our bodies, it's not our genetics, all right, because our genetic makeup hasn't changed terribly much for about 60,000 years. So it's something in the way that we're living, right? And the way that we're living is affecting all of our minds. I mean, if that many more people want to check out of life, then there's something that's going wrong. And look, not that it's going wrong, but it's a side effect of a wide, uh, wonderful society. So preventative mental health is being aware of where society can actually lead you astray and taking some control over that. Wow. Well, you're right. It's funny because you're, you're talking about all these statistics and last night's show was about yeah. teen, teen suicide prevention. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah I know. About, you know. It's amazing. Right? Yeah, it, it's amazing. And, and, you know, like, in the, since yesterday, I've heard some statistics that's just like, uh, you know, unbelievable. And yeah. you're right. I mean, humans are the same, but but the conditions of living, the pressures, the environment, uh, all the stuff that we're experiencing has to do with how we behave, how we see things. And and again, it didn't help. I mean, last year was just an, a horrible year across the, the globe. Yeah, yeah, and 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 but before that, you have wars, you have this, you have kind of you know crises, you know, in, in the economy and all different things. Uh, and so, so you know, it's it's a lot of factors. Now, 
in your expertise and experience, as well as the cases you've you've treated, I mean, are they common factors or common, you know, elements that kind of drive people to these 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 extreme, you know, personalities or extreme measures or thoughts? Yes, yes. Unfortunately, there are. Okay. Now, uh, because so, uh, the things that we're going to talk about are really quite broad and quite big. Okay. It's very hard to do science on big, broad things. So, so you brought up, we're going through a hard time, but humanity has always gone through a hard time. There've been wars, there've been famines. Uh, and so the question is what's different because there is something different. And I'm going to talk about one thing that's a big difference. And then I'm going to take you inside of the brain to let you know what that difference makes. So, so the difference is we are disconnected as people, okay? That is because we are all connected to an internet. And uh, since 2007, when the iPhones have come out, okay, uh, we spend more time looking at screens, okay? And less time looking at each other, right? And uh, there's a wonderful book by uh, neuroscientist uh, Susan Greenfield called Mind Change that looks at this question as to what computer technology is doing to our brains. And unfortunately, it's not good news. And never in the history of humankind have we had one activity that engages all of us so completely that it changes the way that we interact as a species, right? Now, that's, that's kind of frightening. What I'm saying is we're losing each other. We're missing the family stuff, okay? We've got less friends than we used to. We live alone more, okay? Now, let me take you to what that does in the brain, okay? Because the brain is navigated to give us a better future. So we talked about time travel and going into the future at the beginning here. That's what our brain does. Our brain's job is to learn from the past so that we can have a better future in whatever environment we find ourselves in. And if we do that well, then we will survive, okay? Here's the thing, we are social creatures, all right? We need each other. And the brain works, and we know this only in the last 15, 20 years, but it basically works by uh, the release of certain brain chemicals. Now, up in the brain, there's got to be hundreds, thousands of brain chemicals. There are about ooh, 60 or 70 that we know well, but I'm going to talk about four. Now, I'm going to talk about these four because these are four that feel really good, right? If we can get a good dose of these four brain chemicals, then our thoughts and our feelings will be good. They will feel better, okay? So I call it a dose, D-O-S-E. And I'm talking about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, or endorphins, okay? Oh, <laughs> okay. Now you stop me whenever I'm getting too much here, Hurricane. Oh, no, okay? please. I love this stuff. Go for it. <laughs> All right, okay. Now, I, basically, people out there, they, they tend to know dopamine. All right. They tend to know that dopamine mediates pleasure. Anything from food, sex, uh, computer games, uh, a ding on your iPhone gives you that dopamine hit. But what, but what gives you the most dopamine hit is people, right? Talking to somebody, having a hug with somebody that you like, having a conversation going, you know what? This feels really good. Dancing with somebody, that sort of pleasure is dopamine. All right. The big one for people, of course, is oxytocin. Oxytocin is a brain chemical that we call the, the love drug, the hug drug. Uh, it's, uh, it, it mediates that wonderful feeling of love, particularly between mothers and their infant babies. Okay. But every time we look into somebody else's eyes, any time that you are speaking to somebody that you care about, oxytocin levels in you are rising. Now, even with strangers, strangers increase each other's oxytocin level. Like if you're in business and you clinch a deal and you have that handshake and you go deal, during that handshake, your oxytocin levels are rising, okay? Because you are trusting somebody there. You've made a deal. It feels good. And that good feeling is thanks to oxytocin. So I've gone through the D and the O. I'm now going to the S. The S is serotonin. And by now, people know that psychiatrists work on the serotonin system a lot. A lot of the medications we use are based on serotonin. 
And serotonin is the, uh, the chemical that makes you feel comfortable at home. So the picture that I like is when you've had a hard day's of work, you get home, you slam the door, you get in front of uh, um, the people that you love, you kick your shoes off and you say, I'm home. Nice. And it feels better. That's the feeling that serotonin gives you. You feel on top of the world in your castle, wherever that happens to be, okay? It prevents anxiety. It helps prevent depression. But here's the thing. Whenever you are with somebody that you love or is a friend or is a family member, you feel at home. You feel, oh, my gosh, they know me. I know them. And it's that feeling that raises serotonin in you. All right, how are we going? Can I do one more? Oh, you, this is you. Man. Go for it. I'm okay. just, I don't want to interrupt. This is good stuff. I'm taking it, and I'm sure listeners are, are enjoying this. <laughs> okay, okay. So the E in dose, D-O-S-E, is endorphins. And we're talking particularly beta endorphins. Now, a lot of people know that, you know, if you do a lot of jogging, you get that run as high, uh -huh. and that is a release of beta endorphin. It's, it, it stops pain. But I did some research as to why nature wants us to stop pain. And one of the main reasons that nature wants us to stop pain is so that we can be with other people, all right? So I'm going to use a musical analogy, all right? Mm -hmm. uh, I used to play uh, in an orchestra, all right? Now, I, I would play percussion in an orchestra. And here's the thing. If I was in pain and we were in the middle of a performance, I can't sort of go, you know what? Stop all of this. I, I can't play my solo, okay? I'm in too much pain. Nobody's going to stop for that. So what nature does is give me a dose of beta endorphins, and music does this, so that even if I'm in pain, I will play my little solo well because I want to be part of it. And that's the whole thing. We all want to be part of society. We want to feel accepted. We want to feel that we are part of it. So beta endorphin actually gives us the feeling of togetherness. All right. So imagine you're just with a whole lot of friends and you're laughing at stupid jokes. All right. That's the feeling of togetherness or when we sing together or when we make music together or even if we just have conversations together. OK, uh, I love a silly card game. It's called Canasta. Right. But when I play that with my family, that is releasing beta endorphins in all of us because we just like the feeling of being together. And it's not the game that we're interested in. It's being together with people and that feeling. So here's the thing. Those four brain chemicals, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and beta endorphins, they get released when we are with people, which takes me to, you know, in this age of iPhones and computer screens and that book called um, uh, Mind Change, because we are all spending less time looking at people and interacting with them. These brain chemicals in all of us are just coming down slightly, all right? And we know through studies that people who take their own lives have low dopamine levels, low serotonin levels in particular, because when you've got a low serotonin level, you're feeling lonely. You're not feeling part of the herd. You're not feeling part of the human race. And that's where we can work scientifically to prevent mental health issues. Wow. Well, you, you, I mean, obviously you had a lot of, you know, excellent elements here and, 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 and deep stuff that, you know, we might know about these things in light, but not in, in the level that you've broken it down. I mean, it's really simple. Dose. <laughs> now we know it's get your dose, daily dose. <laughs> but, but go ahead. You want to say something? No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I always put a little bit of a qualifier in because my job actually is to make some really complex science easy to understand, okay? The complexity of what I just talked about goes way beyond what I understand, but it's the pathway forward and it leads to a, uh, a method, a treatment, techniques that we can use on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, Again, simplifying stuff, and 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 again, for someone like me, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, a doctor. I'm not. I'm, I'm in healthcare in general, but that's a different story. But not yeah, at yeah. That level. Uh, but but really, you know, for the common person, understanding these elements 
in in this particular format, I think it's it's excellent because that's what it comes down to. Like, let's let's yeah, understand, yeah. let's let's define and dummy it down to a degree where we all can understand it. No, that's right. But, but now, so so a couple of elements, you know, you've talking about you're talking about the concept of us being almost in silos, uh, in our yeah. own little world. Yeah. And and and, and you you've given the the transition when these phones and all the technology has hit hard, you know, home. And you see that today. I mean, you I've seen this you know, in, in places where people sitting at a dinner table in restaurants and no yeah. one is talking to each other. They're yeah. all on their phones. Yeah. And then there's that perception or false perception that we have all these friends, thousands of friends online, you know, yeah. and followers yeah. and stuff. But are they really your friends? Are you really interacting with them? Uh, yeah. is, you know, and to your point, there is no direct contact. So maybe none of these, 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 these brain chemicals are activated anyways. And then you're in, in the previous live, or at least in, in decades before, you know, we were hanging out. That's all we yeah. had, board games, you know, right. outdoor games, you know, yeah, the park, yeah, you know, you're doing something with a group, you know, you're playing ball out there, you know, and now like I have, I have teenagers myself, you know, myself, and, you know, one of them is literally, you know, locked in his room. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's always engaged in his games and stuff, but, but there's yeah. no contact with the outside world. And yeah. even when we want to take him out, I mean, sometimes he does. <laughs> it's a funny story. The one day he took off, he broke his arm. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, no. Oh, that's... <laughs> it's so sad, but, you know... I'm really sorry to hear that. <laughs> it wasn't funny there, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, but, but, you know, but you know what I'm saying. So it was rough. And then, like, my other teenager... A, a girl and and like same thing they live in this cyberspace and they're all i mean it's yeah, getting yeah. to a point when they actually are online almost 24 yeah. 7 even when they sleep they literally they're on a chat box and they the, the chat is on and everybody's like sleeping next to their phones or whatever ipads and they're sleeping but they're actually connected some of them wake up they start talking again they go back to sleep <laughs> it's too weird right. but but you're right that's not human interaction that it is human interaction but it's cyber interaction not right. contact so, right. so it, it is a it is a it's different I, mean, I grew up you know like all my friends were real i was out there with them we we pushed each other we we hugged each other we did all that's, kinds right. Of, that's uh, right and now you don't have that i mean and people was all yeah. they, they get so into this this feeling like it's touchy they don't even like to touch each other anymore there's no touching yeah. there's yeah, no right. contact period yeah. And, and even yeah. in business, you said in business, even now business, we're doing a lot of this remote stuff. We don't even That's talk right. to each other like in one room. Let's go out to dinner or like business meetings, breakfast, whatever, shake hands, you know, mingle. That's that's getting less and less of, you know, so it's crazy. But you're right. And we don't realize it until now we put on perspective in perspective in front of us and we talk about it. And they're like, wow, damn, this is real. Yeah, and, and it is real. And, and, and we're even putting in things in place like uh, there are some. Uh, businesses that are starting to um, uh, ban the handshake, all right, because uh, one, it's contact, and secondly, it can be misinterpreted as harassment, mm -hmm. and there are all these things, and we're trying to solve some problems, and I understand that, and that's good, but whenever we try to solve one problem, we create another problem, so we really need the science to know what goes on in the whole interaction to understand what we're doing. Wow. Well, again. Yeah, and, and look, I, I, I got to talk about the kids, all right? You're, you're talking about teenagers that stay in their room all day long, okay? Um, the, firstly, uh, when I go to psychiatry conferences for uh, children and adolescents, they look at statistics and they show that something changed in 2007, right? So you, you look at trends, you look and see, okay, so depression and anxiety are rising, but then you get to 2007 and it takes a, uh, a dip and it goes, basically gets worse. And so the thing is, what happened in 2007? Well, in 2007 is when we were all able to take the internet with us in a small cell phone, okay? And this has affected uh, our younger generations much more you and i remember a time when computers don't, don't exist all right sorry I, to put your age away uh, hurricane but I you know, know i know <laughs> the, the, the computers were only limited to to big companies and, and big rooms it wasn't available in your home <laughs> no your... that's exactly right so so your brain developed in a world that had no computers so we actually experienced the world differently than people who were uh, born after, say, 1990, when computers pervaded everything, all right? 
Um, so the question comes, so Dr. Heim, if uh, these brain chemicals feel so good and people give you these brain chemicals, why would people spend so much time on the internet, okay? And the answer to that is because the internet and all these devices, they really give us boosts of dopamine without oxytocin, without serotonin, without endorphins. And the thing about dopamine is it feels really good for a short period of time, whereas the other three feel good over a long period of time. Now, when we talk dopamine, we're talking about the same substance that gets released when you're on crack cocaine, uh, methamphetamines, uh, even alcohol, all of our addictions, uh, I shouldn't say all, but most of our addictions are driven by dopamine because the pleasure is immediate. And what happens is that tends to trump the other three. But as anybody who has been addicted will tell you, you're left feeling empty, all right? You may have had a high on your cocaine for a couple of hours, but after that, you go into this empty low. And one of the reasons for that is you didn't get any oxytocin. You didn't get any endorphins. You didn't get any serotonin. Uh, you got a big hit of dopamine. Now, I've, I've, I've simplified that, right, uh, a lot. But basically, that's what's happening. And so we've got to get back to people to get our endorphins, our, uh, our oxytocin, and the rest of it. So it's it's more like a temporary patch or or or, or a caffeine kick, but that's about it. And then you get a crash, and then and then, but you're you're not continuously in the same level. So same similarly in insulin, if your insulin levels are up and down, spiking, your body is not doing good. It has to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, so so I I get it, and it's funny because you talked about computers before and after, uh, even in the the business world. I remember when I used to leave the office, and there was no more contact with the the, the work. You know that's yeah. it. I got to come back the next morning, log in, and then start seeing my emails and everything. Yeah. Now you take your work with you, you wind up working almost, you know, 18, 20 hours a day sometimes. You know, yeah. you finish at 11, 12, maybe, you know, you know, on emails, you wake up at 4 or 5 o'clock and you're already back in emails. Uh, you, you work, so stress levels are even higher, and and, and that's the other thing, right? Uh, yeah. There's no enjoyment to, to your life. Like, we used to live a better life, I think. Uh, yeah. You finish, you can go. And, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, you're in Australia. I had these discussions before about lifestyles. And yeah. every, and like, like Europe, for example, they have a different lifestyle. Yeah. You know, they have the siesta time in most of the countries. They take yeah. a breather. Everybody finishes, you know, a certain hour. They have more vacation time. Uh, you yeah. know, so there's different. They, they, there's more union, you know, uh, uh, culture there. So the work world is different there. And even their food, you know, habit is different. I'm not even yeah. sure how that works in, in, in Australia. Uh, you know, any similarities. But but every country is different. In the U.S., we, we work. I mean, my, the name Hurricane came from a... A, a concept where I move from one state to the other with the higher speed of work ethics. And so okay. they used to, to refer to me as here comes hurricane, right? So yeah, that, yeah. Literally. So that, that's where it came from. But, but the reason, again, because we are so used to that high pace here, it's like, you know, you just run, 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 run. You know, yeah. you got to balance your life between work, family, pleasure, all the other stuff, vacation, take a breather. I personally believe in a culture where you got to break the routine, you work, then you got to take a little breather, work, breather, yeah. so on and so forth. And, yeah. and, but today it's, you know, and the convenience to your point of, of the work being at home with you. Yeah. People don't leave right now. I mean, you can work 12 hours in front of a computer. Hey, I'm home. I'm relaxing, but you're really working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you see that there's nothing wrong with hard work. Okay. We can enjoy our hard work. We can be productive, but, Hurricane, look at you. You're a really gregarious person. You make really good eye contact. Okay, you're, you're motivated. It feels good to be around you. Okay. And why is that? Because when we interact, right, you're actually increasing my oxytocin levels. You're increasing my endorphin levels. You're increasing my serotonin levels. And you see, when we get together in an office and there's flesh and blood other people around you, that's what happens. So working hard can feel good. But here's the thing, we get enamored by the productivity itself. And as long as those numbers get higher and higher, we think we're doing better and better. But this is where our hope can become in science. 
all right? The thing about science, science is just a, a name that means knowledge, all right? So all that we have to do is understand what's going on. If we uh, know what our interactions are, the hope is that we go, oh, wait a minute. If we stop these handshakes, if we do everything over Zoom, right, we're going to just lose out on some of these uh, brain chemicals. Or if we're highly stressed, if, if we're sort of wondering what is on that email at the moment, or if the deadlines get too much, that's mm -hmm. going to release um, noradrenaline, adrenaline, cortisol, and a whole lot of what I call bad chemicals, all right, for want of a better word. They're very useful, okay? The body tends to do everything right, but the science knows this, okay? And then what we need is people to translate the science into techniques that we can use on a day-to-day -day basis that make sense. It's no good if a scientific fact stays in a book, all right? Useless, all right? But science is complicated, all right? I find it complicated, but through the work that I do, you get to a few basic things that you can go, okay, you got to spend more time at home. You got to play with your kids. You got to relax. You got to unwind. Okay. And you've got to be motivated to have hope for the future. So, so we talk about how to do all of that. <laughs> I, oh, well, you're right. And, and, and there is a pleasure in that. I mean, you, you there yeah. is. You, and, 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 and it gives you almost a, a replenishment of energy to go back again and do, you know, it's like you, you refresh, you restart your own body, your own mind. And like you, you go back more energetic, you can do more and produce more. Uh, so, well, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. so, sorry for butting in, but uh, in today's world, the workplace is becoming more of a family for a lot of people. Okay. But because we're really focused on productivity and protocols now, we're, most people used to get their friends from work. Most people used to be able to sort of find some time just to have a five or 10 minute chat with a colleague. And people used to look forward to going to work because you know what, you'd be with people again. And that feels really good. And if we could bring some of that back to the workplace, that would help the way we all function as human beings. Well, I can tell you, COVID didn't help that at all. I mean, <laughs> it just put everybody at bay, everybody locked down. I mean, you know, and there were a lot of critics uh, in the COVID, you know, pandemic, you know, deep time. Yeah. We, had, we had all the lockdowns across all the nations, yeah. you know, whereby, you know, it, it, it impacted, you know, drastically people. I mean, even those that were in a good place, you know, a lot of them may have been affected, you know, adversely in terms of how their system reacted to it because yeah. you just, you were forced. I mean, listen, I mean, Jail is punishment and lockdown is a form of jail. I mean, even yeah. especially for those people that may not have the space or they live in maybe a building and they can't get out or, you know, some countries have lockdowns you know, and curfews. You can't even leave your place, you know, so it's crazy. And, and you're right. So this, the, the aftermath of all this is only going to begin to actually un unveil itself going forward. And you're going to get a lot more cases of, and, and recently, I mean, at least in the U.S., we have we we're seeing an increase in like shootings and and random yeah. crimes and stuff like that. So so I have to believe that there's a connection of all that. I mean all that, you know, people that be in stress and anxiety and all that depression that they, they potentially got themselves into, plus the financial impact as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, people are losing their their monies, their their their, their homes and whatever the case they have to yeah. move. So all these things are are having a bad impact. Now yeah. you mentioned the word hope. And I think love in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Love. So, so that brings us to that other item. Now, I know you have this concept of several love types. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Hurricane, because I'm going to tie that to the COVID crisis, okay? Because you're right, COVID has not been good news for anybody, right? But here's the hope. The human brain is designed to learn, okay? Which means that we can look at COVID and say, okay, what have we learned through all of this? And uh, yeah, we, we've learned that it's a big problem. We've learned that we every country made some mistakes. Okay, we've learned all that thing. But for me as a psychiatrist, here's the big lesson that we learned from COVID. We need each other as people. If we don't get together, we miss each other, all right? Uh, in fact, we've been apart from each other so long that some of us didn't know how to interact again, all right? Uh, it caused a lot of friction because we started to lose skills in getting on with each other, right? But we can learn 
all of that. And if we move forward from COVID saying, you know what? We actually are more important to each other. We can actually love each other. Okay, all right, what does that mean? Okay, sort of love today has become a word that means, okay, you've got your one love partner and we're all looking for love, which is actually a code word for something else, all right? So this word love has become problematic and in a way it's got a bad reputation and it's become a bit of a platitude. So I thought, well, okay, the science tells us that our brains are wired to get on with each other. So we're actually wired for love. But the scientific view of love is very specific. It's tied around reproduction and survival of the species. So what I did was I, I went to ancient Greece to say, no, no, we would need more words. And sure enough, there are words for friendship love. There is words for family love. There's words for love of stranger. There's words for love when somebody helps you out or guides you in a process, like getting a, a business mentor or something like that. And I thought, okay, this is it. We can look for different types of love. And if we understand the different types of love, we can know how to get them working in our lives. So, so that's, that's where we got to um, the seven love types because Oh, as cliche as it sounds, love is the answer, even scientifically, all right? But we've got to flesh that out so we understand what that actually means. <clears throat> well, I mean, love is, at least here, I can interpret it as, as a form of energy. And, and, and it is portable. It is contagious. You know, oh, yeah. you, can see it, you can feel it. You can sense it. Uh, and, and and you said there's love for animals, for nature, for 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 everything. I mean, you can you know. Well, I mean, there's negative love. You know, yeah, yeah, too much yeah. too much pride and ego is one thing. But 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 we're talking about positive stuff, of course. So so but yeah. but yes, I mean, you're right. It's if you believe and love and and love everybody, you know, and everything, there's yeah. a chance you're not going to have any negative, you know, uh, vibe or negative, you know, outcome or feelings or even thoughts. Uh, because you always are projecting positivity, and you mentioned about you know the, the 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 way I project, for example, I just that's just how I I am. I mean, I love <laughs> I enjoy you know discussions, and you know people always like you know criticize me like you know well you talk too much or you always smile. Like, listen, I you know I'd rather be this. I mean, listen, I'm human. I do have my bad moments, and I probably when I frown it doesn't look good. <laughs> but but you know what it is. I mean, no, we're not perfect. We're humans, right? That's exactly but, but, right. But it's just the balance. I mean, we all can are entitled to have a, a bad day or a bad moment. But the question is, how do we get out of it? And I think with COVID, there is, there is, there is two parties. There's a group that was able to make it, yeah. survive it through resilience and different ways and getting you know, active with other things to get them by. And there are people yeah. that just couldn't do anything and just kind of collapsed. And then the outcomes are two different, you know, really, you know, uh, bad, bad or good. I mean, either way, you're going to have a, a pool that's going to be in a, in a good place and the pool is going to be in a bad place. So, so, but that's, that's, you know, so that's love, but then anxiety yeah. is, is part of our issue too, right? Yeah. We all get anxious about things. Yeah. So, so yeah. you've, I'm sure you've treated a lot of, of that, <laughs> of those, yeah. those issues. So what can you tell us about that? Like, how can we live a, in your terms, an anxiety-free diet type? <laughs> uh, okay, an anxiety-free, okay. So the thing about anxiety is it's, a, it's actually very different to depression, all right? Now, it's normal to get sad, but when you get a clinical depression where you just can't get that feeling up again, all right, um, that is something that's gone wrong, okay? But anxiety... Anxiety is something that is normal for all of us. Uh, anxiety will let us know when we've got to be just a little bit more careful, right? Or when we've got to put a little bit more effort in. So it detects a threat in our brain that prepares us for the world. Now, that's fine. That's good. But if you get too much of it, all right, anxiety can be like a monkey, all right? So if you get a little bit of it, it can feel like a roller coaster and an adrenaline rush. But too much, it's screaming all over the place. It's making a mess of your life, all right? And because of the uncertainty that we have in today's life and the quick change and the uh, COVID crisis, we are all carrying an extra 20 pounds of anxiety, okay? Now, you ask me, what can we do about that? Okay, now, psychiatrists and psychologists have like dozens of techniques 
to cope with anxiety. But I'm only going to give you one because it relates to all that we're talking about today. When your child is anxious, what do you do? You hold it you pat its hand, you cuddle it, okay? So it gets that feeling, it gets a burst of serotonin, all right? It sort of says, hey, you don't have to be that worried. You're with me, I am here to protect you. And so the more we get around people and actually have physical hugs, all right? People you know, all right? I, I don't think you should go and hug the bus driver well, or anything you know, like that. You have that experience that I need a hug. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can go and say, like, I just need a hug. You know, <clears throat> I, I've seen that actually done in, in some trainings and stuff where people are just like, let's hug someone. Let's just. Oh, I tell you, I, I want to bring that back. Got to bring it back. Yeah, you know, you know there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, uh, it's it's completely innocent, uh, and and it works. You know, it just. Yeah, that's uh, right. You're, you're right. These are things that we've probably seen, heard, and even done, but we never related to 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 the mind state or the state of mind, rather. Right. That's right. And this is where science help us, helps us because you see for thousands of years, we've actually dealt with anxiety by cuddling each other. For thousands of years, we've prevented depression by having hope in life. But it's only in the last couple of decades that science has unraveled how that relates to our brain. And the thing is, we don't have an excuse anymore. We know, we know that hugs are good for us. We know that living together in cooperative societies is wonderful for us. We, we don't just enjoy it, we need it. It's, it's, it's not an option. And so when you've got something like the internet and computers, which has the side effect of driving us apart from each other and making us lonely from one bedroom to the next, two people can be lonely, right? We have to find a way to sort of say, okay, we've got to close this and we've got to start spending time together. Well, it's amazing that you, you almost like live the way you describe it is like you live in everybody's household today because you're right. If if someone has two bedrooms and there's kids, they in they don't actually see each other and not even in food. Like that's, that's right. another thing. Like even today, I, I, I have this experience myself and I, it drives me nuts. Like I miss the days where family gets together for a meal. Yeah. And we yeah. just have have a ball and just have a chat. Now it's like you don't even see each other in a meal. You know, everybody walks in, they grab food, they go to their room or they grab food and they just like eat in a rush and go. There's no time. And, and you know, besides even the selection of food and stuff, that's another story. We can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really it's really bad. I mean, it's it's like and I'm saying it because I'm guilty of it, too, because I see it in my own household. And like it's almost I can't do anything about it. It's like yeah. it's difficult to control. You yeah. know, as much as I, I, I try to be tough about it, no, everybody sit, put your phone down, let's sit down, let's, you know, you get that maybe twice a week we get together and we have a full meal. But yeah. on the regular days, I mean, everybody's like eating on their own or or just maybe like, hey, dad, hey, mom, boom, they're gone. That's it. Uh, yeah. it, it and I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm just, no, 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 no. this is like, everybody's listening and watching. They probably relate to this. Like, damn, that's, that's happening in my household too. Maybe the lucky ones may have a formula where it's working. I mean, I've seen this even now in some restaurants, they mandate that, you know, they have these baskets for phones and things like that. So you can have a yep. quality life. Yep. Um, listen, maybe that's what it is, you know, and, and it's funny because you mentioned, you know, when someone has anxiety, you give them a hug and things like that, but that's actually bringing it to the exact what you said to love, and, That's right. and, and and your dose, you know, one one of the elements, right. the pillars of the dose. So it's really, again, it's all tied together. And I think one of the ideas that as you're talking, I'm, I'm just reflecting on it, but we see this in movies, we see it in real life, uh, addiction, right? And typically yeah. addiction, you know, there are measures for it. And besides going to, to, to a psychologist, psychiatrist, you know, there are groups and things like AA and so on and so forth, but they yeah. do the way they do it is through meetings. In, yeah. in, in, in right. groups, group yeah. therapy, it's a big deal. And, yeah. and now, now I can relate to why you want to be feeling not solo. You want to feel like you belong, or at least you're not the only one experiencing. So it helps your, I guess, to to cope with it better. So it's like again, it's all coming up to 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 a clearer vision right now, a clearer picture as to yeah, yeah. the impact of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you brought up some really good stuff there, and it's it's really vital for our society. And I'm, I'm going to talk a bit about the the meal time, okay? Uh, just just how difficult it is for that, because one thing that's hard to get over with is when you sort of see that everybody else is doing this, and so you get a new normal. But you see, 50 years ago, the normal was that six o'clock 
the whole family sat down for dinner, okay? And uh, so, all right, so, so we have what we call five blue zones in the world. Now, these are places in the world where people live for longer than anywhere else in the world, okay? And we've looked at their diet and we've gone, aha, that must be a good diet. But what we haven't scientifically unraveled is it may not be the diet. It may be how they're eating, right? Because when people in these blue zones get together to eat, they take time, they laugh, they help each other out in preparing the food or in washing up, all right? So it's a whole lifestyle, a whole ritual, if you like, around eating. So here's the thing, it may not be the food itself that is helping them live longer. It may be the way that they're eating and they eat together. They eat so that they share oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins, as well as the dopamine pleasure of food. So yeah, so, so this is one really practical thing. I would actually encourage every family, every household to get together for a meal and you start off with one. You start off doing it once, okay? And then when you do it once, you then do it weekly. And then from weekly, you go to twice weekly. And if you get to three times weekly, you're doing really, really well, okay? And during that time, you've got to have a basket for the phones and put them in another room and say, we're going to enjoy each other and we're going to tell each other jokes. And then people go, oh, that's dumb. This is really dumb. Yeah, well, I can be dumber than you, all right? Here's a really dumb joke, all right? And so you, you, you make it enjoyable, okay? Because what the kids in particular want is to get back to their phones, get back to those dopamine hits. So we've got to find ways of making it fun to be with people, all right? And then you say something beautiful. Hey. You know, I've just really loved this time because I love you kids. Because here's our advantage as human beings. The internet will never tell you that it loves you, all right? It just can't, it won't. In fact, it demands love from you, but it doesn't give back. Whereas all of us, we give back to each other. And so then at the end of the meal, you give everybody a hug, a kiss and say, okay, go and enjoy yourself. But I love this time, all right? Uh, because what, what happens is a lot of um, parents get together at the meal table and then they'll sort of go, oh, well, I had a hard day today and you're not doing this and blah, 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 blah. And they destroy the meal time because that's no fun. It's more fun for the kids to be on their iPhone. So you've really got to work to make that time a time of fun. And it'll be artificial at first, but it'll start being natural afterwards. I have a solution. <laughs> Which, oh yeah, good, good. <laughs> I just, I just take the Wi-Fi off the house. <laughs> I shut it down. <laughs> I've done that actually. When they, they really annoy me, I just shut it down, and then all of a sudden, about two minutes later, everybody comes out of like, like little, like the little ants coming out of the, the little, you know, uh, homes, and they come right out. You know, that oh, that there's no internet. Like yeah, it's off. You know, we can sit down. <laughs> we can sit down. Let's play some board games or something, and it works. Wonderful. And, and you know, it's funny, it, ha it so happened that about maybe a couple of weeks ago, I had, I had a, uh, uh, a power outage in my area yeah. for about two or three hours. So there was, there was no computers, there's nothing. And, the, and, and, and luckily their cell phones were actually dead, so they didn't have them. So they wound up the ones asking, oh, let's get together. Let's get some board games. Let's play together. Let's get some fun stuff. And they were demanding to actually be together, you know, uh, you know, and playing. I'm like, ah, so we should just be camping at more, more often with no technology. <laughs> no, oh, definitely, definitely. We, 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 uh, okay, so science again. Uh, we have studies that show that each of us need to spend two hours away from technology in nature every week, two hours a week. Okay, so that's, that's a family picnic. That's a walk in the forest. That's, a, that's an afternoon at the beach whatever are okay but that sort of family time in nature really clears the head wow well so so there's one more item i wanted to ask about so so now we're talking in general terms but you have multiple yeah. personalities everybody's different yeah and you know there's also cultural differences or yeah. religious beliefs how yeah. does that all play in all in all this and i'm, I'm assuming that most religions and, and beliefs have one thing in common. They all kind of preach love and peace. Yeah. To, okay. So, yeah. so how the, does the science or, or the, the, the mental, you know, uh, state, you know, apply here? Okay. Uh, so, so firstly, there's two things I want to say. Firstly, uh, that the science shows quite clearly that people who have 
a belief system, uh, a, a religion, and they are part of a worshipping society, uh, they do better in all health parameters. They live longer, they have better blood pressure, they have better mental health. And uh, But here's something recent as well. Uh, we found out that if your belief system is in science as a belief system, okay, and your hope is in that, you get those benefits as well. Now, part of those benefits have to do with being with people, but part of those benefits is finding meaning and hope in life. Which brings me to the work that I do, because uh, what you say is exactly right. We've been talking quite generally and quite broadly, but we are all individuals and we're all very, very different. Mm -hmm. And when I work with somebody in my office and for, let's say, an hour, we've got a door closed, no interruptions, and we just get into this space of being together, I get to know the workings of an individual. And so, yes, there is always a place for finding what the individual problems are and what the individual solutions are. But what really helps is that we are two human beings getting together. And just by me understanding what's going on in somebody else's life, that in a sense is a form of love because I'm getting close to that person in a professional context. But because of that, they feel very validated as a person. And so, you couple that feeling that you are worthwhile as a person together with techniques based on whatever psychotherapeutic framework that I'm using at the time. And the person then has hope to say, yeah, life is worthwhile. But see, the thing is that we can do this for each other, all right? Uh, couples can do it for each other. Uh, father and son can sort of do it for each other. Mother and Mother and daughter, okay? All those relationships, we can give each other the feeling that we are worthwhile as human beings, okay? And it just goes forward from there. Well, Dr. Ayim, I can tell you this, it's, 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 it's a lot of good stuff that you've shared today. And while some of it is, is pretty simple to understand once it's, exp it's explained properly, which I think you did a, a terrific job of breaking it down to us in, in lay words. And I actually, I really understand it a little bit more in terms of how and what the impacts are. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, we talked about the the hope and the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Life is worth it. And you're right. I mean, life is worth it. And there's, yeah. Yeah. To do. and you know what, live it to the fullest, enjoy everything, enjoy the people around you. Cause before you know it, some of these folks may not be around and that's just how life goes. That's right. Uh, we all lose people that are close to us, you know, at a, you know, parents or, or 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 friends, and no one knows when that happens. So enjoy every moment of it and do the best you can, and know that no matter what circumstances are out there, you know, things can always be better and will be better, and you have to believe in that. Uh, and, well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, you're, you're quite right. But the the science says that we can make it better, and. Uh, all right, I'm bringing up something new, but but one of the dominant narratives of science uh, has been that uh, life is random. Uh, we don't have any free will. We don't have a choice in the matter, and it just happens. And I'm really sorry about that because the science shows that the choices that we make are very, very important. And uh, if the science itself shows that the choices we make are very, very important. That means that we can actually do something about our situation, all right? All right, so let's let's take the culture wars that are happening out there at the moment, all right? Uh, this could actually go very, very badly, all right? This could all go in a horrible direction. It could actually make for a world where we're getting on better as people and understanding us more. Now, the science, and the science is what's called the mere exposure effect, and that, that was experiments done 50 years ago, shows that we could actually get on really, really well if we get to know each other, all right? But here's the thing. The science also shows that initially, we're going to be distrustful of each other, and there's going to be some initial hostility, okay? So in other words, the science is showing what we're actually going through. But here's where choice comes in. If we can become curious about each other, um, then we can actually start to accept and like each other, right? So the easiest way of looking at this is um, Chinese restaurants, 
okay? San Francisco, New York City, um, Melbourne, uh, Sydney, Vancouver, they've all got their Chinese restaurants. When the Chinese first got to a place, people were suspicious, people were hostile. Now you have arguments as to who's got the best Chinatown. Is it San Francisco, New York, Vancouver, or Sydney, all right? We're proud of our Chinese heritage in our society. Now that's taken a long time, but scientifically we know that that's what happens, that when we're together with people, we will actually get to like each other. But it becomes our choice. Will we grow curious enough about each other to go, you know what? I can get to understand you and I can get to like you. And I'm going to put in just a little plug here because I'm, I'm doing a podcast series on uh, negotiating diversity. And we look at that through the science, okay? Because we're all afraid to talk about this thing. But actually, if we make the right choices, we'll be okay. Well, well Dr. Heim, I will. I can share that the podcast also on the, on the link of the description here. Uh, okay. So this way people can actually maybe, uh, you know, chime in and listen in and, and hopefully get some, some good feeds in there as well. But you're right. I mean, it's funny because uh, in some of the, the large metropolitan areas, because there's diversity, you yeah. know, the cultures are almost understandable. I mean, people get along well. But yeah. as you, you go further into land where areas are less, less diversified, you know, yeah. there is no, there's no curiosity. People don't know about you much. And so therefore there yeah. might be biases and things like that. And so, so also people who travel a little bit more tend to, to appreciate cultures differently. That's right. Actually, don't go anywhere. Uh, and so, again, it's exposure. And That's yeah, right. It, it is exposure. That's I exactly right. I, I have one rule I believe in. Humanity is beautiful. Humans are beautiful. There, yeah. is, there is always going to be a percentage of, of bad, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I do believe that the majority of, of humanity is, is good and is always yeah. looking for good and better and peace and, and beautiful things. And, 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 you know, I think sometimes it's just knowing understanding yes. learning yes. and that's really yes. what makes a difference between you know someone who has a problem with everyone and someone who loves everyone <laughs> that's, that's right that's right and that knowing comes from science because that's what science is nice. and you know even the the towns where exposure is slower it means that acceptance is going to be slower all right sure. but but they can still head in that same direction in the right direction Okay, and it, it comes down to our choice. If we're curious about each other, and if we know about the effects of love on these brain chemicals, then we start to go, oh, you know what? If I get to know this person, I'll actually make another friend, okay? And life will actually be better. Well, Dr. Hive, I mean, I, I always relate to one example. Kids, and early yeah. I don't care, you can put 10 different culture-based kids in one right. playground and exactly. just have them give them a ball or some sort of, I don't know, cricket or something that they can, I mean, I'm relating to, to a sport or, or maybe a rugby, something yeah. you know that, that they will relate to baseball, whatever, and they'll get along well. They don't know the difference. They just enjoy it. They're going to love each other. No. Right. So talking yeah. about choice and understanding, we make the choices to love and hate. We make the choices to, 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 to accept or not accept. Uh, you know, because we develop those things based on what we expect, what we want, and what we hear. And and I think that's the problem. And to your point, talking about phones and internet and stuff, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, good and bad in there. So yeah, yeah. you if you are seeing the, the a lot of bad, well, you're going to get the bad. If you see a lot of good, you're going to see the good. It's really contagious. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You're right. Uh, our, our emotions as humans are contagious because we all affect each other. So we may as well choose to get along, Hurricane. We may as well choose to get along. Listen, you and I, we can definitely, you know, uh, preach that and we want that. And hopefully we can, you know, just contaminate as many people as we can with this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's really what, what really it's all about. It's really uh, sending a positive message and, and really giving people hope, um, you know, through, through mind, you know, you know uh, uh, I guess fitness, as we said earlier. Yeah, yeah. And, and really just, you know. We can be good. We can do good. We can have. Yeah, we can. We can. But uh, what I find the most hopeful thing is that the science shows all of this. All right. Uh, if we follow the science, so in other words, we we are naturally wired to get on with each other if we make the right choices. Well, 
we're coming into the end of the show here and uh i don't want to stop it i i really enjoy all these shows and it's like it's like i don't want to you know it, it cannot be too long because it gets a little crazy for people yeah, yeah, yeah. Hours, yeah. But, but but you know it's been wonderful i mean i think this hour has been very it, it, to me informative uh very inspirational motivational i hope it does the same for for the audience and and, and the listeners as well uh you know a couple of things that you know we would like to close the show with you know a couple of pointers from you uh maybe a piece of advice or two pieces of advice that you can give the audiences here what would those be okay so so to keep in line with the theme of the show um what I will do is encourage people to get on with people, all right? Now, uh, during this COVID crisis, uh, I've been encouraging people to get in contact with a friend that they haven't spoken to for decades or to sort something out with a parent or a child or a sibling that has been, you know, that nagging issue that means that we don't talk as much uh, and just gently re-engage with people to, to start sort of moving out and saying, yeah, I can actually do something with people. I mean, hey, we've got the internet, we've got email, we've got phones, we've got all of these things, so we can actually get in contact with each other. So that's the one thing that I would encourage people to do because it takes a bit of effort, all right? Uh, and that's, and that's, that's the difficulty. Well, thank you for, for that advice. And I think it is, is wise and uh, it is easy too. I mean, you're right, we can contact each other and we can even meet with each other if we're close enough. Uh, yeah. you know, even if we social distance, we can still be across the table. I mean, you know, yeah. have a drink, whatever the case may be, but you're right. I mean, I think that's, that's a very easy thing to do and, you know, maybe get back to where we used to be, like where people meet, have a, a you know, get away uh, one of those happy hours on the weekend or whatever. So yeah. it's all good. Well, yeah. Dr. Haim, it, it, it's been pleasure. It's been a true pleasure, uh, you know, uh, having you on this show. I mean, literally from the other side of of, of, of the, the the globe, um, and and really a day apart, almost the next day here <laughs> in from the future. Thank you for for visiting us from the future. <laughs> no, Thank you. It's a real pleasure for me to be on this show, Hurricane. We covered a lot of ground and you took me to a lot of very interesting places. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And yeah, I, I just want to let people know that. It's our relationships that are our greatest assets and love can be the answer if we let it be. All right. That's so it. thanks for the work that you're doing, mate. Really appreciate it. And thank you for everything that you do to help a lot of people. So with, with those words, you know, we're in our show for today. Um, Dr. Haim, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, listeners, viewers, uh, thank you for watching on the iHealth channel. Listen to iHealth Radio, Hurricane H here. We'll talk at the next show, next time, next guest. Ciao, ciao, bye-bye.